0: Welcome to this episode of De-escalating Disability. I'm Gavin Jackson, and this podcast is about the intersectionality of autism spectrum disorder, race, and policing. This episode contains audio that some listeners may find upsetting. Autism is a unique disorder that presents differently in those who have it. It can be severely debilitating for some, for others they can be high functioning, able to live lives independently and without much interruption. But triggering events can still lead to behavior that may give a police officer probable cause to question, search, or arrest a person. That was the case for 34 year old Tario Anderson. It was Christmas Eve 2014 in Greenville. Officers investigating reports of gunfire in the area turned their spotlight on him as he walked along the sidewalk like he normally does in his neighborhood. Tario put his hands in his pockets and walked away from the uniform patrols and soon began to run. The officers gave chase. Moments later, he was tasered and arrested because he didn't obey their commands. In the audio from this cell phone video, you can hear Terrio, who is handcuffed on the ground, surrounded by police and neighbors. It's a kinetic scene with shouts and flashing blue police lights that are eventually turned off and represents a situation parents of autistic children fear. Misunderstanding social cues, avoidance, even aggression, compound suspicion. Without intervention, it's hard to say where things could go. Come on, baby. you to can't do Listen, my baby has autism. Please don't do this. He has autism. He don't know He's only five
1: years old. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, loud. Leave me alone.
0: that's his mother carolyn shouting at police that terrio is autistic and doesn't understand their commands terrio a black man who at the time was 34 stood six foot six inches tall and weighed more than 340 pounds was tasered by police twice and multiple officers worked to get him into handcuffs resulting in abrasions on his face knees and elbows. He was charged with interfering with police and resisting arrest, charges that were soon dropped. Carolyn took two of the officers to court, alleging excessive use of force, but a federal jury in 2017 ruled that the force was appropriate. Over the past five years, The Washington Post has found that police nationwide have shot and killed almost the same number of people annually, nearly a thousand. The newspaper's database on police-involved shootings found that 93 fatal shootings by police have occurred in South Carolina since 2015. Of those, 19 were experiencing mental health issues. Nationwide, the Post determined that while black Americans account for 13% of the population, they are killed by the police at more than twice the rate of white Americans. Hispanic Americans are also killed by police at a disproportionate rate. Abby Rivera, who is Latino, fears it. She fears what could happen to her 8-year-old son, who is on the spectrum, has type 1 diabetes, and attention deficit disorder. I asked her about the recent Salt Lake City shooting.
1: I I first heard it on the radio. And of course, I wanted to run to my iPad to read the story just to know what happened. Even though in my mind, I can see so many scenarios playing. It was was disheartening. It broke my heart because I see instances at home and even at the community when we're with him where he does assess things that, that it could get him hurt by another person or even shot by the police because they, there's just so little understanding of, you know, how these kids deal with anxiety and um, situations where they feel threatened. And when I heard the the story, I automatically thought about my son and I thought, Lord, just help me teach him better so that we know how to react and, and not escalate something and, and learn just, just what to do. Although I have to tell you, it seems sometimes like even if they do all the right things, um, tragedies like that I feel are going to continue to happen just because it's just not enough training and understanding.
0: When her son was 15 months old, Abby started noticing that he would throw himself back and forth in his crib or he would sit quietly for hours. Those weren't red flags to her of his pending autism diagnosis. It wasn't until he would run in the house and bang his head against the wall. He never spoke he would throw tantrums when he was hungry. Her pediatrician recommended BabyNet. BabyNet is South Carolina's interagency early intervention system for infants and toddlers under three years of age with developmental delays or who have conditions associated with developmental delays. BabyNet matches the special needs of infants and toddlers who have developmental delays with professional resources available within the community. Services are provided in everyday routines, activities, and places relevant to the life of the family. When Abby found out her son's diagnosis around age three, she was happy but terrified and sought out credible information.
1: So, yeah, so that's pretty much how I heard it. It was very matter-of-factly from other people. Just They just kind of mentioned matter-of-fact, yeah, he has autism spectrum disorder. Um, and I think the worst part for us of hearing that general idea was when we went through DDSN and we had a full evaluation at this point, Um, and you know, that was pretty much just an evaluation, like they do anything else for children. And on the way out, they said, you will get some information in the mail. If you have any questions, just call us. And it was just like that. And I just remember getting that letter in the mail and reading it and just crying my eyes out because that really made it real. My son really does have autism and I had no idea what it was, but it terrified me. I remember going through therapies, and you get a little bit of information here. I remember looking up YouTube videos that, um, in all honesty, were nothing uh, related to autism, but they said they were. So I believed the things I saw online, and I believed that my son was going to be that way. And so uh, we looked for, now that he had a diagnosis, we were able to get services like more speech therapy for him because he was still barely speaking he could say some words but not that many at that point but he was able to qualify for um behavior therapy which they call um aba therapy um we were lucky he um was paired up with a really great um therapist local here and she she has pretty much turned him into the kiddo that he is today there's been um, just a lot of programs and rewards program and basically teaching him how to, how to react when he's upset instead of hitting and throwing things to, to use his words and you know other alternatives that I feel have made a difference, especially in school.
0: Her son never said a word until he was almost four. Thanks to Baby he received speech therapy early on, which Abby credits to his great vocabulary and being a big talker now. To parents who are worried that their child with ASD will never talk, Abby says don't give up. Her son has been doing well in school, but can be forgetful about bringing assignments home. He fears bugs, but likes routines. He often gets anxiety and can be misunderstood by his peers. While parenting in general is difficult, cut parents of children with special needs some slack and maybe even ask if they need some help. Abby explains what she wishes people would understand, especially those who used to give her advice to just hit her child when he was throwing a tantrum it's nowhere near that simple
1: earlier on when he used to have a lot of tantrums i've had people tell me you know if you just give him a good beating he's gonna learn and he's not gonna do that again um or you know i know how to take care of that meaning you know they're gonna they're gonna hit him or something And, and, and i can tell you that that i had spanked him when he was younger before i even knew he had autism and all that taught him was that whenever i was mad i was going to spank him and i I learned quickly that that was not something I wanted him to learn. So I had to help him unlearn it. And that took longer because now he couldn't understand why every time he was upset, he couldn't just hit me back, you know, and he did. He would get upset at me. And the first thing he did was hit me. So I wish people would understand that not all kids are the same. Some are going through tantrums. And I guess to just give parents grace, like we're we're having a tough time most days.
0: She plans to soon talk to her son about police, the role his race and diagnosis plays in how he could be treated.
1: I have to tell you, I feel like I was raised to just not see different people as different people, but more as just people. And so I had expected to raise him that way. And and the sad part is that that's not going to be the way we're going to do it. He's, I'm going to have to teach him that they are different people, and depending on the color of his skin, people just get treated differently. And, and, and yeah, there's going to be scenarios we're going to have to go through that I'm sure are going to scare him, but I absolutely will have a conversation with him when I, even before I feel like he can understand it. I really want him to know that, you know, he he is going to be misunderstood many times and there's going to be times when he's going to have to really make an effort not to to make things worse and and that sounds really sad because my dad um passed away but he was he was a policeman and so it's hard for me to see policemen as the bad guys because i never did before and, and I don't want him to see the police or another person in uniform period as a bad guy because my husband is a retired military person. And like when we're driving into Fort Jackson, sometimes the, the guards have guns, big guns, they're not little. And he has a lot of questions about that. Um, and it's hard to explain to him what other kids at this point understand to be just security measures. He sees it as a threat. Are they going to shoot at us? Um, are you going to let them know that it, I'm back here? Can they see me? Things that I never in my life thought an eight-year-old would be worried about. And and I know that he's heard stories, you know, kids talk and, and, you know, inadvertently he might have watched the news and he hears about something that the police may have done somewhere else. And I think he may see himself in some of those scenarios where he feels if he's not a good boy that he's going to get in trouble with the police or he may get shot. and. And I, I wish there was a different life for him other than that where you have to worry about things like that at eight, nine years old.
0: With current movements bringing awareness to racial inequity and social injustices, Abby has her hope for the country.
1: Whether we agree with whatever is going on in all the different movements, I just want to say that I'm glad they're happening. They're bringing light to the many injustices that have been in the dark for a long time. Um, because people who who don't have blonde hair, blue eyes, and fair skin um, don't suffer the same the same injustices that other people do. You know, and and I. I guess I would just want everybody to know that it's happening every day on their own noses. And even just saying we did what we could do because we thought some cultural competency is just not enough. So we just need to be more as a country, as a people, and um, just get involved. Maybe teach our kids in high school to volunteer at centers where there are people with special needs so that they can develop some skills that would help them through life.
0: I told Abby that police recruits receive four and a half hours of training at the Criminal Justice Academy on handling those with mental health issues and disabilities. This was her reaction.
1: Uh, yes, I def- four hours <laughs> Four hours is nothing. Like I have taken trainings that took all week, and depending on what it is, some of it may sink in and others will not. Um, because people with special needs and disabilities of all types are all different, um, I honestly feel that even... A full week is probably not enough to learn, but it needs to be hands-on. You it's impossible to learn everything from a book or just someone telling you about it. Um, I feel like just actually meeting people and, and speaking with them and getting a little bit of that that back and forth will 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 soften their heart, you know, if there is an issue already with people that have special needs or people of color. Um and I I feel like that's probably the best way to learn to just literally be exposed to it like sink or swim you you're gonna meet people and this is we're gonna have to learn to deal with them the best that we can in a safe way and to maybe and this just to all the men in uniform out there teach them to to shoot to disable like honestly shooting people in the back several times is not shooting to disable it's shooting to kill you know maybe figure out a way to be more effective because just shooting people. You know, not to disable. It's just, it's, I'm at a loss, honestly. I mean.
0: Shooting to disable is what happened in Camden in 2019. A frantic call to 911 about an autistic teenage boy with a gun illustrates the fear of a family wishing to protect him, but also remedy a potentially deadly situation.
1: And mm-hmm. my stepbrother, he's autistic, mm-hmm. uh, we need police out here at, like immediately because he put his gun to the head uh-huh. and he knows how to unload it and stuff, and he just pointed it at me and I'm his brother, uh-huh. so we need police out here quickly, like, quick. Like, don't shoot me! Oh. Put the gun down! What? No! I'm gonna take you out to eat, please! No!
0: <laughs> Stop! Mom's right here, she not want to see you die. Kershaw County deputies soon arrived on scene. And the 16 year old opened fire on them.
1: Who was he shooting at? Nobody. We're good. Was just up in the air? I got
0: a brother on the phone watching him. Who at him? Okay, we're good, we're good. The boy was then shot in the leg area by a deputy on October 30th, 2019. This is Gavin Jackson, and in conjunction with the Diversity Leaders Initiative at Furman University, we're exploring the intersectionality of autism, race, and policing. In our next and final episode, we learn about current police training tactics in South Carolina, what one expert says needs to be done, the moves state lawmakers are taking to make changes, and we hear from a police chief already working to bridge the gaps between officers and the community.